Hey! Sorry to startle you. I'm Andy Kindler. Welcome to showbizmonkeys.com. Around this town, I'm alright. No, you've done a million of these, right? Oh, I'm a pro. I'm a pro. I'm a pro <laughs> in terms of uh, I'm technically a pro in terms of how many years I've been doing it. <laughs> that's no. That's not a value. Be, I, I, that's not saying I'm doing it well. I'm just thinking it'd be really um, funny to me anyway. Uh, if someone they they weren't a comedian or a celebrity, they were just a pro at doing interviews, just being uh, interviewed. That's it. That's their skill. <laughs> You mean like Donald Trump? <laughs> well, I mean, the pro is a, a bit pro? of a stretch he, with him, the, too. Yeah. He's the world's leading uh, best uh, fascist at giving interviews. He's, he's, he seems over the last uh, year to be the most interviewed person. Right, always on his own terms. He's at home. Yeah, uh, exactly, and, on know, the phone. On the phone and at home and just uh, there's, there's no risk. It's, I, I do find it quite quite interesting that after literally decades of, of history with Meet the Press and things like that, that, they've just thrown all their rules out the window for Trump. Well, it's even, you know, it's like if you're watching today, it's like you have this guy, uh, Chris Matthews, who's built his whole career on just, you know, he started as a Clinton basher. Uh, now he, he bashes Obama, he bashes, you know, it's a whose fault is the attack, and uh, why did Obama, why is Obama playing a baseball game in Cuba, and he's like bringing on Representative Peter King and all the usual anti-Muslim suspects. I mean, it really is, maybe there was never a good uh, journalism, but it does seem worse. <laughs> I, I mean, I hope there was, and I hope there are some people out there still trying to do some good work. Oh, I mean, there's always people. I mean, you know, even when the uh, Second Gulf War happened, uh, you had that the McClatchy group uh, of newspapers, and they were onto it from the beginning. But like, otherwise, anybody I knew who had a brain knew as soon as uh, you know Cheney and Bush wanted to go into the Iraq that it was all based on it was all a lie. Everybody knew it except the media, or they didn't want to know it because a lot of times they just want to go with. It really is as like nakedly horrible as. Show business. They want to go with ratings. It, it, it is show business, unfortunately. But there are great people doing. doing there are great journalists, but uh, they're harder to find. Exactly. Well, you can find them on Twitter, but after, I, I can find good things on Twitter after I spend eighteen hours uh, arguing with robots. <laughs> Personally, I enjoy following you on Twitter. Uh, Thank you. I, I I wrote down in my notes here that that I often find. The things you say is kind of my barometer for common sense. You usually have a pretty good common sense look at what's going on with the craziness of the world and politics and beyond. You must, uh, I hope, uh, for the amount of time you, you spend on there, enjoy the the aspect of Twitter and getting to, you know, speak your mind and things like that. Well, I appreciate I appreciate uh, what you're saying. It makes me feel good. And I, uh, I like a lot of times I think it is. I mean, I can I I can get angry and enraged and all this kind of stuff. But to me, it, it to me it's like uh, common sense. I mean, to me it's like I was raised to just in general not hate people based uh, based on their religious affiliation. You know, so when you're on this thing and you're arguing with these like people. And they say, because you know, one of the things, one of the things a lot of these bigots do is they use like things like, oh, 
we're not allowed to criticize a religion now. You know, that's the that's the guys uh, under which they say the most horrible things about Muslims. Oh, we can't. You know, it's wrong. You, know, you say one bad bad thing, and uh, now you're a bigot. No, you're a bigot. You just happen to be a bigot because of what you've been saying. Uh, it's not because uh, it's illegal to make comments that are critical. But I do get addicted. I do get addicted to Twitter. Is one of the, it is a problem. <laughs> I, have, I have to work on it, and, um, and yeah, I wish I was in a twelve-step program. <laughs> it was. It was originally supposed to just be a promotional tool, right? That's what. That's what comics were supposed to use Twitter for, just for promotion. And then it becomes almost life-consuming at times. <laughs> well, I never. I mean, for the very first time, I I used it, and even going in, most comics told me who were on there already. They were saying that. Uh, if you just promote things, people, your account gets very boring. You know, it starts to look like that's all you're doing. So mm. from the beginning, I think people thought it'd be a funny way to either, you know, some comics back then or maybe still now look at it as a way to uh, experiment with jokes. And to me, it's more like I, I like to use it to say whatever comes to my mind. And then sometimes it'll end up with jokes. Mm. One did end up with a joke that my nephew uh, my nephew told, uh, told me, "Oh, you should turn, you should use that joke in your act, as he likes to call it." And, and that was a tweet where it was a tweet where I said, uh, "I believe it was the great philosopher Descartes who said, I think, therefore, am I right, ladies?'" <laughs> yes, and, I, you, uh, the last the last time you were in Winnipeg, I believe you used that. Uh... Right, and now sometimes though things that I tweet uh, don't be, uh, that I think are funny just as words, they don't work as stand up. Right. Well, I mean, certainly in, in general, uh, the spoken word versus written word, there, there's nuances there that, that make things different, so that makes sense. Yeah, and many times my act is good on paper. <laughs> <laughs> a little over a year ago uh, in Los Angeles, I went to the particular show that you do monthly at Nerdmount there. I love the way you say that. It makes it sound like it's an institution. It, it's, <laughs> well, it's it, been a, it's been over a year, but it's uh, I guess a year and a half, yeah. So it, it sounds cool when you say it. <laughs> yeah, I guess I, I caught it kind of early on, I guess then, and now it's it's become an institution over the last year and a bit. Um, <laughs> but I was wondering for those who who you know may not be in LA or visit LA uh, and haven't had a chance to see it, can you talk a little bit about that show? I found when I when I saw it, it was loose, but not in a lazy way like they, there seemed it seemed like every comic that was on the bill was just having a really good time well uh i think anybody who sees me do stand up i mean uh you might not say i'm doing it the lazy way but you also wouldn't say well he's really working hard on his material <laughs> <laughs> yeah so the, the basic premise of the show is that i in the i mean i don't know what can i talk in the late 90s uh or maybe the mid 90s i don't know i, I lose i can't keep track of any uh, sense of time <laughs> but uh, i did an alternative show uh, um at the just for last festival you know it was back when all you know quote alternative comedy was and it's uh starting to make a make a make some noise <laughs> i don't know what i'm saying right. and then uh so i would host this show uh and and uh so i hosted the show and it was really fun and i really like hosting and so the idea is that I'm picking the comics, so that's why it's called the particular show. And then uh, I open up doing material, and then I do uh, material in between the acts. Now I know people listening to this, or reading this, or divining this, 
telepathically will say <laughs> that I'm not reinventing the wheel. I'm quite aware that I'm not reinventing the wheel, but I'm making it more attractive. <laughs> uh, that's one of my jokes, actually. It's, very, my it's a very pretty wheel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have a joke. Uh, they say you can't reinvent the wheel, but does it have to be so round? Uh, no one laughs. Don't don't worry about that one. So yeah, and uh, the other thing is, it does fit my general style of commenting on everything. It's kind of easier to comment on everything when you're hosting a show because well, I always like when I come up in between the acts because you always get there's some always awkward sense of why why are you returning. <laughs> yeah, uh, but the other part of the show is that I really do want to showcase people I think are hilarious, and right now it's a good time period for that because I think comedy. There's so many amazingly great comics and different types of amazingly great comics. Well, yeah, like there, there's so much out there, and it's certainly a lot easier to find comedy than it was ten, fifteen, twenty years ago. But the worry then is that you know some really good comics might end up not finding an audience because there's so much out there. Well, the idea, I don't. I hate to use the word monetize, but let me start using it uh, liberally. <laughs> uh, it's hard to monetize anything in life right now. Yeah. Uh, so, but it is definitely better. Uh, everything about comedy is better than it was when I was, not, not, well, I mean, I was really lucky because I, I was, I came up during the, the comedy boom of the 80s and 90s, so I got tons of work. But the crowd's, uh, uh, you know, just on the most rudimentary level that in the 90s, you couldn't, if you didn't know who the comic was, you, you couldn't see any footage of the comic, really. You know, you couldn't, like, look at a clip online. And now mm -hmm. people go to clubs, they, if they have any kind of uh, incentive at all or do any work on their own part, they'll, they'll know who they're coming to see. I think it's kind of a... a, a it's it's a kind of a really great environment right now. But as I'm saying it, uh, I feel like I'm uh, I'll probably jinxing it. <laughs> yeah, the, the, this uh, this interview alone is going to completely tank yes. the comedy industry. Plus, I don't want to sound too positive in general because my image <laughs> is the angry curmudgeon. That's I'm the angry curmudgeon. Get off of my com get off of my comedy lawn. Well, well, that can lead nicely into my next question, which is... Uh, oh, are you uh, kidding me? I've never had a good segue in my entire life. <laughs> uh, your, your state of the industry address at Just for Laughs. Uh, yes, you yes, to, you, you, yes, sir. I don't know why I felt the, answer, the need to answer, answer that. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, you, you can get a little uh, curmudgeonly there at times, uh, but, it, but in a very entertaining way that people look forward to every year. How did that whole thing start like like how did just for laughs approach you about even doing that to begin with and it must be a fun thing to prepare for every year well you as you ask that question like someone who's uh uh frightened not frightened but you don't want to set off an old uh, cranky guy because <laughs> you said something like yeah you're a little bit uh yeah you say things there like i'm like i everything i say is the truth and nice uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> it started, uh, I had written, uh, I'll give you a short version, which will be about 25 minutes. With okay, pauses. I'll start the time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> start the time. I had written an article for the National Lampoon on, uh, called the Hack Comics Handbook. It's still on my we website, everybody. Run there right now. None of the above. And it was about, <laughs> you know, why, it was during the boom, and it was, the boom was about to implode, and about what was uh, bad about, you know, well, you know, just to ha pointing out, oh, it was, you know, the uh, structure was 
here, I'm going to show you how to be a terrible comedian. And I used all the, the things that were going around uh, at the time. And I actually gave a demonstration of uh, one year, like with Pat Oswald and Blaine Capatch and a bunch of people. I demonstrated hack comedy. It, it, it's, in a way, it's not as, uh, as applicable now because there's not as much hack comedy. There's a lot of hack stuff on Twitter, like when people say on Twitter, like when they go, because science, you know, or... They say, uh, said no one ever. Uh -huh. <laughs> so there's a lot of hacky things on Twitter. So, but then there were a lot of ha really hacky things on com in comedy. So I did a demonstration, and then the, the festival asked me, hey, why don't you just come up and give another speech? So my manager, Bruce Smith, suggested I call State of the Industry, and like I would be a, uh, uh, the person who looks back at the comedy year uh, and says what happened. Of course, the first time we did it, we didn't think it would happen. You know, I thought it would be a one-time thing. Mm -hmm. And it's just uh, now it's going to be the 20 years. I'm giving the 20th speech this year. It's a long time. Yeah, that is. Now that that's an institution. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had a lot of Ray. Uh, what if Reagan were a network television executive jokes? I had Nixon, Nixon in Full House material. Uh, <laughs> but it has become kind of a. It, it, it's it's a. I, I do have a love hate relationship with it because. I never know how it's going to go, and, and I, I, I almost faint before I give it, although I'm getting better at panicking over the years. <laughs> but it's all new material every year, too, except I take the material I've written over the year that are actual jokes that are about comedy or show business or whatever, and then I add other stuff that are usually some kind of rant. Not like Dennis, Dennis Miller. I don't want to ever be associated with Dennis Miller. <laughs> And of course, there's a hit or miss aspect to it. It's like uh, I, it's like walking on a tightrope on the ground. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, it is it is the kind of thing, unlike normal, you know, normal stand up, where a lot of the stuff you don't you don't have an opportunity to test it out in open mics in other rooms because it's it's specifically meant for that audience. Well, also, I, uh, over the years, I changed my methodology. Early on. So the first few years of the speech, it was when people were going to the festival and getting sitcom deals. But that seemed to be not the purpose to be a stand-up comic, uh, but that's what a lot of people got into stand-up comedy for. Mm -hmm. Not everybody, obviously. But uh, so I was talking about that specific thing that was happening then, and that made—I don't know—I kind of lost my train of thought. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was talking about uh, not being able to work work out the material. Oh, okay. Now I remember. I said I changed. My, <laughs> I have ADD. Uh, I, I changed my method, methodology. So early on, I would do things like I read from the trades for a couple of years, and and then I would like read about. I would always have a section of these are the sitcoms coming out. But I've learned over the years now, people. Don't the reason why people came there originally to see the speech? It doesn't even exist anymore. Which is like the, the networks are rolling out their new sitcoms, and everyone's focused on it. Every no one's focused on the quote like industry the way I was originally doing it. So uh, I, I the experimentation comes from either me yelling about something that bothers me, or you know it, it is going to be the first time probably twenty to thirty minutes of it has ever been said. So. There's a lot. There's a lot of filler. That <laughs> <laughs> doesn't mean it doesn't necessarily mean it's filler. Angry filler. It just means Angry it's untested. Filler. Okay, filler. Untested. Untested rage. <laughs> um, now you have a obviously that long-standing relationship with Just for Laughs, uh, and you've done the the Toronto one as well. And I don't know if you were just in the the first Vancouver one uh, recently, because I'm apparently bad at research. 
Um, I think I did something in Vancouver, but it's, I feel like uh, like Bob Dylan. I was in Vancouver and something. <laughs> I don't know. That was a bad Bob Dylan, and it made no sense. <laughs> but I was in Vancouver, but I'm not sure. I, I feel like I'm being. It, it, this, this is not a court of law. But uh, and so, uh, but I, I cannot confirm or deny anything you're there, saying. There will be there will be no no strict fact checking on these uh, these statements. So no no. Concern, yeah. Okay. No but yeah, th- this will be your first time coming to the Winnipeg Comedy Fest, which is a more independent, smaller festival. Uh, so I'm just curious about what what you're expecting uh, with the Winnipeg Comedy Fest. What you've heard about it from other comics that you know that have been here, and yeah, what what you're thinking of Winnipeg in a few weeks. Well, I have heard about it before, and I'm always uh, angling for a festival <laughs> I haven't done. So I guess I was like, oh, who's bu- who books that? Uh, what's the deal? How come they haven't called me? What, 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 what are they personally against me? But, I, <laughs> but also, I, I love Winnipeg because uh, in a uh, romantic, uh, no actual knowledge of the city way because of uh i imagine uh, neil young still hanging around and i went there in 1988 i used to, i used to work for yuck yucks west okay yeah that sounds impressive and I, that's where i met brent butt who's like uh uh the greatest and a canadian legend brent butt i met him there and i, I was in osborne village like in the late 80s, I had such a, I just loved the city. Of course, it was the summertime and there was uh, like boating <laughs> events and it seemed like idyllic. And then I came and I think there was a club called uh, Rumors. Yeah, that's still around. Uh, and I didn't do well there. No? Okay. <laughs> I was there for two weeks. Did not do well. Did not do well. Bombed. <laughs> Bombed a lot. Bombed often. And then I was back. Uh, I did a little theater there last year. So, I mean, so I've been up there and I had a great time. And not a theater. Maybe it's a bar. I did. It was really no, it was wonderful. A, yeah, it's a theater. The park theater. Yeah. Yes. I love. Yes. I don't know why I got uh, hyper excited. Yeah, that was really great. <laughs> so I, I, I'm always excited to come there. But I, I'm also doing a TV thing. And it's like they're filming it. I think it's for some. Uh, I don't want to get too technical. But it's for some Canadian TV thing. It's for yeah. It's for the the Winnipeg Comedy Fest galas are all aired on CBC, our national broadcaster. Right, and I think I'm supposed to have a theme. It's you know, it's like when, uh, I'm playing catch up, and then I'm doing a, a version of the debaters there, which I've done before, which I love. And then I just, I just, I guess I'll be just sitting around uh, with autograph hounds coming up to me. <laughs> yeah, of and, course. Uh, I don't know if you have paparazzi. In Winnipeg, but maybe they'll be bugging me. Oh, I can bring my camera around if that makes you feel more comfortable. <laughs> and it should be seasonably warm, right? <laughs> well, by by April, it should be. It should be. You're a New Yorker, so it it wouldn't be much different than New York at that time of year. Yeah. Oh, but the last time I was up there, I talked to people about the dead of winter. Oh yeah. And uh, they seem <laughs> in dead, January. You could see them. Yeah, they could see them as if they could remember that feeling of death in the winter you don't want to come here in january and it's always funny uh, just going back to just for laughs they do a national tour every year across the country they they bring comics across to you know a dozen cities across the country and they always do it right in the middle of the winter and i, I feel terrible for especially american comics that are coming up and doing that because they don't know yeah it's, there's no re- there's no reason to subject an american comic who's not someone who lives in vermont or Alaska. There's no reason to subject them because we're a very weak species. You know what I'm saying? We're not survivalists. 
you'll you won't see any of us like Leonardo DiCaprio, whatever he did in that last movie, where he was. I don't know what it was. He was in a was it one continuous shot of him in the woods? <laughs> <laughs> Basically, but it was yeah, that was in Canada. He filmed that in Canada. He did. Yeah, yeah, that was filmed uh, in uh, in Alberta. Of all the Reven of all the Revenant movies. That's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, not, but then the other thing is, I also had great coffee when I was up. I'm a I'm a coffee snob, elitist. I'm a light roast coffee uh, maven and an uh, absolutist. A light roast coffee absolutist, and I had some great coffee up there. So I think it's a happening city. You'll you'll be delighted. Okay. There's already a couple new uh, new coffee shops that have opened up since okay. the last time I you just, were here. I just literally said, "What's that?" I don't know. So take that out. Take everything out. Take everything out where, where you can hear my breathing. Uh-huh. Uh, take everything out where you can hear my my thumbfering. Yep. And in fact, if you could have somebody else uh, like do my voice, uh, it'd be better for me. <laughs> like maybe a British person. I, I I know a couple. I know a couple. Or a Canadian who says process. <laughs> I know you say process, right? How how would you say it? I'm I'm confused. Now. Process. Process. Oh, I guess I, I guess it would. I, I think with with a lot of those words, I find, and maybe it's just because I've grown up with you know Canadian and American television inundating me. Yes, but I find it, it changes depending on what I'm referring to. You know, the way I might pronounce the word. Oh yeah, you yeah right you yeah. It's like in Canada, you know what's going on, so it's your <laughs> choice about how to how to you know. But it's like when you get to expiry date. I mean, at that point, let's just cut it out. Cut it out. That's what I tell Canadians when they say expiry date. I laugh, not in their face, because they, you know, Canadians. They always say Canadians are polite, but there's another part of Canadians who aren't there. Canadians who will punch you in the face uh, so hard that it will go through to your back of your head. There's tough people up there, right? Am I wrong? There's a reason there's uh, fighting in hockey. I mean. There's, yes, exactly. There's there's a there's an underlying rage. Have you have you heard that uh, uh, Warren Zevon's song? I think it's called "Hit Somebody." It's about it has David Letterman say "Hit Somebody." It's a really amazing song about a guy who's a Canadian who wants to score goals, but he has the only thing he's good at. This guy, I'm not saying all Canadians, but yeah. this guy, he's from <laughs> he's from Saskatoon, and the only thing he's good at is is uh, uh is being a goon. You know, like knocking knocking people out. I'm I'm very sorry for this last. No, part. no. I, I was gonna say, have you actually have you seen the the movie from a couple of years ago called Goon? Wait a second. Are you telling? Is this the thing that people say like a Kevin Smith movie? No, no. He because I heard Kevin he's, Smith is making a movie about that song. He's he, he might be making a movie more directly related to the song. This this movie uh, just happened to have. The title "Goon" and it's about a goon, but I don't think it relates to the Warren Zevon song. Was it good though? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, it's uh, uh, Jay Baruchel co-wrote it and stars in it. I love Jay Bar. First of all, I love Jay Baruchel, and I'm hoping that this interview that I'm doing, you know, gets me higher in the Jay Baruchel uh, radar. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> I love. It. Yeah, I will check it out now. I'll make sure it gets to him. Are you going to give me a uh, 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 viewer's copy? <laughs> I don't know what I was doing there. <laughs> With, what is your 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 movie award show? Gemini's the uh, they, they just the, they, they combined them re- a couple years ago, and now it's just the Canadian Screen Awards handles TV and movies. I like that Screen Awards. 
Yeah. I, I like the idea that you're focusing just on the screen. <laughs> like I have a, I have a mini iPad. That would be great for that. All right, look, obviously I've run <laughs> out of comedy and I promise people of Winnipeg, I will not do this kind of material. My screen awards bit up there, <laughs> <laughs> but I will bring my patented giggle. Good, good. Uh, and I'll, I'll be in the audience doing my, my own patented giggle as well, which is different. <laughs> we, the, we, there can be more than one giggle patented. I really don't want to mislead people into thinking that you can patent a giggle. Again, no charge for this kind of comedy, no charge for wordplay. I mean, you can patent a lot of weird stuff now. They seem to let you. Yeah, but is a patent as good as a, as a trademark, or is a trademark <laughs> worse than a patent? Or is, is it both of them? Uh, oh, trademark sounds like more like uh, uh, you can make more money from it. Like if I trademark, hey, hey, uh, what's the name of the Winnipeg team? Jets. Hey, Jets, are you going to win a Stanley Cup or what? See if I trademark that. Make T-shirts. You can't make them. When was the last time they won the Jets? No, they they haven't. The Winnipeg Jets have not won. No. All right. So here's my new material. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I like your uh, I like your uh, hockey team here in Winnipeg. You know, I heard that Benny and the Jets won more Stanley Cups. Anybody? <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a, a quick bit of uh, random old Winnipeg trivia. The the first version of the Winnipeg Jets, because they went away to Phoenix, the first version of the Winnipeg Jets, their mascot was Benny. Oh, from the song? Yeah, because that's, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't sound good. First of all, I'm not going to be scared of that team. No. it was it, and, it, and, the, and the, the mascot didn't look like any. It was just like a, one of those random mascots that are just nothing. They're not a human. They're not a... Like, it wasn't a jet, even though it was called Benny. That, yeah, it, anyway. Yeah, you, know what's you know what's amazing is my limited knowledge of everything, because I just figured, oh, any major city, every major city in Canada must have their own hockey team, but it would, it would be impossible, right? Well, I mean, they would, they would all like to. Right, but there's not a, uh, uh, what's the capital of Ontario? Well, Toronto's the capital of Ontario, and then Ottawa's the, the capital of Oh, the yeah, there's no yeah. Ottawa City NHL team, is there? Yeah, there is. Maybe there is. The, the Ottawa Senators. <laughs> oh, my God. I got to get it. I got to. I really. I'm never going to talk about hockey again. I, I, it's worse <laughs> than my thoughts. Folks, I have a special type of, of my, I'm, uh, it's a medical thing that I'm, I, uh, I'm suffering from sports, just sports dementia. I can remember everything else, <laughs> every other name, but I'm having, it's not, so please don't take it as a, an insult to your, to hockey. I'm more of a, a football guy anyway, so I personally don't. I'm not concerned. Once I flew into Toronto, I think it was, and by, uh, the, by the time I got from the airport to the hotel, the Toronto hockey team had lost a two-goal lead in the playoffs, and they lost that game. Just from the ride. They're a notoriously bad team. But I'm a New York Jets fan, and I'm a New York Mets fan, so... You can, nobody can outdo me in terms of tra- in terms of tragedy. At least the Mets won in the eighties. No, no, I actually, no. I am so old that I remember the nineteen sixty nine Mets and the nineteen sixty eight Jets who won the Super Bowl in sixty nine. I remember praying to a young Andy Kindler, praying to a young God, <laughs> said, "God, I'll never ask you for anything else. <laughs> uh, this is it. I'm good for life." <laughs> and I lie about it. I lie about it because I still, uh, I, I curse, uh, I get upset when they lose. Of course. And it's your hometown team. So, of course, you, you'll stick with them even through losing. 
I will, I will stick with them through thin and even thinner. Um, one other show that you're doing in Winnipeg, uh, that I'm personally excited about is, uh, you're on the Tales from Late Night show, which is, you know, a bunch of comics that have done late night television over the years. And I'm an unabashed late night diehard. Uh, I don't know how else to word that, but I, I watch and have for many years watched a lot of late night television. So of course I've seen, uh, your many, many appearances on Letterman and, uh, other places before. Cool. How's it been for you as someone who used to make regular appearances on Letterman? How's it been to not have him on the air anymore? Well, it was, I mean, it's a, it's a personal tragedy for me in America, but um, <laughs> I do think he, you know, I think he, he gets to spend more time with his son, with his son Harry. So he's probably, um, I think ultimately going to be happy about it, but oh, yeah. uh, I don't know. Well, why do I sound, why do I sound like a, a late show ambassador? But I do, I, you know, <laughs> I still have the last, I still have the like 20 episodes I've never watched because it was too, you know, I was just, uh, it was, it was, it was getting, I just, the whole thing was overwhelming. So I still have those the, uh, from the last like year that I need to watch. And, uh, yeah, he was, he was the man from my generation. He was, he, and I'm not just not my generation. I mean, it was Carson, then it, to me it's Letterman, and he and so he will, he, he will never be matched. Right. But I haven't given up living life though. I well, still enjoy yeah, no, food. I, didn't, I, didn't I still enjoy that. food, and I just did, <laughs> I, I just did, I just did Conan, and I hadn't done Conan in a long time, and I loved it. I had a, I had a great time. So I think there will be outlets for me to do comedy as well. I'm oh, of course, yes. <laughs> there was a unique voice that Letterman had that I don't think anyone will ever recapture yeah he, the he to me was the prime example among the other people like him richard lewis did this but on, but on a night-to-night basis dave was the person who was no phony he wasn't like jimmy fallon everything's great he was like making fun of himself making fun of tv making fun of corporations making fun of everything and he was truly subversive without being overtly, hey, I'm trying to start a revolution. So I love to have that voice on a daily basis. And uh, but it is true that everything has changed in terms of when people watch stuff and and all that kind of stuff. It's never going to be like it was where everyone stayed up and watched one talk show. You know, right? That, those that and, and so maybe he's the last person who people did, you know, forget about the numbers. The numbers to me are like, I don't care. The land house still had solid ratings, you know. <laughs> They're going to talk about how Leno was unwatchable and Letterman was the man. Well, yeah, Le- Leno didn't, uh, uh, I mean, I, again, as a late-night person, I could get into this for, for days, but uh, the next day people weren't, you know, standing around the water cooler talking about an interesting thing Leno said or a bit that Leno had. <laughs> And 20 years from now, people will have to Google water cooler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he was a great, uh, those of us who remember from the 80s, he was an amazing stand-up, hilarious stand-up. But he, he got into this thing, it's a classic uh, Greek or Roman or Italian tragedy. He got into this thing where he felt like he had to be a talk show host. He had to be this. It was all, it's this classic outside-in thinking. I want to be this, so I should be this. But he had no business even being a talk show host. He doesn't like sports. He doesn't like music. He he wasn't in the moment. You know, he just wanted to make people happy. It was a classic uh, uh, decision that he made that popularity was what he wanted. And right. and uh, and ultimately, who cares? 
about popularity. I mean, I would like it money-wise. <laughs> of course. Exactly. One other thing I wanted to talk to you about is uh, a couple of your, uh, the TV shows that you recur on, uh, both which I enjoy quite a bit. Marin, you've been on Marin a bunch, and uh, you do a voice on Bob's Burgers, which I think is one of the best shows on television. It maybe flies under the radar a little bit, but it's such a funny but yet warm show. Yeah, I, uh, the, the Marin, we just, I think it's the fourth year. So uh, I, I did like four episodes. Um, I count everything, four <laughs> episodes. And I love doing it. And, uh, I, you know, I, I've always loved Mark. And, and we've been, I've known him for so long now. And the thing I love about that show is that I like this type of, you know, I loved Seinfeld. And I like shows where, like when you look back at Seinfeld, there's so much absurd stuff happening, but it's never really, it's not, un, it's not, like they're living on a different planet. It's all realistic. I like, so I like situation based comedy. So that's what I like about Mark's show is that it's not exactly him, but it really is him in a heightened way. Yeah. And the thing has been to me, like acting, you'll never, you'll never win the game of saying to yourself, unless you're like, uh, Robert De Niro or, you know, like, that's all I can think of right now. Ryan Gosling or Meryl Streep, whatever, you know, whoever your favorite person is. You're never going to win the game of, uh, I wonder if I'm a good, you know, am I acting okay? Because it's really an uncomfortable thing to do, uh, to think about it and to look at yourself. But I've been very happy that as the more I've gotten a chance to do it, the more rela- not relaxed like I'm trying to be like a low-key key guy, but relaxed in terms of I'm not even really thinking that much. And I think that's so that so and so like there is that feeling of well I'm Mark's friend and now the cameras are rolling and the, whatever the words are it, it's that it's that relationship so that's been really really amazingly fun and then Bob Burgers uh, really goes all the way back to Dr. Katz so Florian Bouchard who created Bob Burgers he was a producer on Dr. Katz and then uh, and then on home movies yeah, yeah. and now, and then there's a lot of people who were on. Right? So, I mean, to me, John, ben, there's nobody funnier in the world than he's the funniest man uh, is John Benjamin. And so everybody in that show, Dan Mintz, Eugene Morgan, Christian Child, there's such great, uh, John Roberts who does them. The mother is so funny. So it, it really is pure joy. And the other thing is, I think they just got picked up for like 40 more episodes. So, those of you who wish that Andy Kindler, those of you who wish that I ended up old and penniless, you lose. <laughs> there, there will be lots more Mort. No, lots of residuals. You know what I'm well, saying? Yes, but... <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? A little do re me. How could anybody not know what I'm talking about? A little simoleon, some shekels, some ice, some cabbage, stacks of dead presidents, toonies. As you say, well, nice throwing the Canadian reference in there. That's, uh... Yeah, I like to do that. It's like, you know, I like to say just kilometers out of nowhere, just so the Canadians. Not when referring to distances, just throw in the word. Yeah, it's like, uh, it feels like it's unseasonably kilometerish this evening. <laughs> I do love when you take that, when, when Google says, uh, go down, go 300 feet and make a right. I have no idea, unless it's a football, football field is the only unit of measurement, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> Everything should be in, in football field. See, I'm working on material in this interview. It's all happening, people. You've got some sports stuff still. Oh, yeah, I still have some sports cred. I'm in your grill. I'm all up in your stuff. 
Uh, you do know, though, that our, our football fields up in Canada are, are longer. Yeah, 110, 110, is that it? Yeah, 110 yards, and then the end zones are, are twice as deep, too. So, And, and I, just want you, I just want everybody in Canada to know that we mock you down here for that. As you, you. as you should. We, we, we find out what the Canadian football players make, and we laugh amongst ourselves about it. <laughs> and then hope that a Canadian football player does not pummel me. <laughs> right. That's my whole life goal. Canadian football players are more, uh, they're, they're of the people. They're, they get paid what normal people get paid. So we, it's nice. Normal people need to get, I don't know what normal for you is, but I'd like to make <laughs> a million a year. <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice if that was normal. Hey, it's all about the money. Follow the money, I say, and get <laughs> some, follow the money and bring it back to me. <laughs> so you can have your, your lettuce, your cheddar, your, yeah. Yes, I need a little cheddar. I, did, I, did I say simoleons? You did. That was the one I that went over my head. I don't even know what it means. Shekels <laughs> is Israeli. Yeah, that one I got. The final totally random thing is uh, right before I was going to interview you, I was talking to a comedian friend of mine who's himself also in the Winnipeg Comedy Festival this year. Um, and I said, quick, give me one question to ask Andy Kindler that you don't think I would have come up with. And he knew he was under pressure. And his question was, would you ever change your name to Candley Kindler? I have not thought about it. This is the first time hearing this. Uh, well, I think I would change my name to uh, Candy. Can, is it Candy Kindler? Candy Kindler, yes. Yeah. Um, it, it sounds good. It sounds like a, 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 a like a. It's very sexual, which I love. No, it's not sexual. <laughs> it does sound. Uh, why oh. would I take it as sexual? I need <laughs> to go to my 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 non-existent psychotherapist now. Oh. I have thought about changing my name to Andley Kindler because. Oh. <laughs> Fifty percent of the time when I'm introduced, because it's Andy Kindler, most people, including me or anybody, will say Andley because of the way the name is set up, Andley Kindler. So I think I should just surrender to it. And that's why I thought, that's why I thought you asked Candley Kindler, and I kind of like that. Well, I may have accidentally said Candley because, again, of the Kindler. It may it may have come out that way. I'll have to listen to the recording. Yeah, but accidentally, like a fox, <laughs> we stumbled into a eureka moment, a a aha moment. We thought Candy Kindler was my future, but Candley Kindler <laughs> is my new stage name, and I will be making up cards tonight. Well, I I'm looking forward to seeing Candley Kindler up here in Winnipeg uh, in a few weeks. I'm looking forward to seeing you when you when I get up there. Please. Uh, bring me to a coffee shop. Showbizmonkeys.com